So what we're going to do uh, throughout December, um, we're going to cover... So we like left off kind of mid-situation, uh, mid-circumstance. And so we'll cover kind of that up today, which our passage actually does have to do with like Advent season, the coming, the Messiah, Jesus Christ. It does have to do with that. But what we're going to do for the rest of the weeks in December is each Sunday we're going to talk about um, Jesus Christ specifically and how He relates and how He's integral into this Advent Christmas season. So each Sunday we're going to pull out a different part from the Bible and see where Jesus is and we're going to like bring that out to 2013. Okay, what does that have to do with me type deal? Um, so uh, I'm kind of excited about that. You know, just, we'll just be talking about Christ in different ways. Talking about Christ maybe from prophecies from Old Testament. Um, we'll be talking about uh, Christ with the um, some of his family members, some of his lineage, lineage. Um, just a bunch of cool stuff inside there. So um, hopefully you, uh, hopefully it'll bless you. Hopefully it'll bless you. I know it's going to bless me. Um, let's open up in prayer and then we can get into this stuff here. So, Lord, I, uh, we ask you again um, to come and just eliminate any distractions from our minds that might get in the way from just opening up your word and, and receiving it. And if that means we have to take notes, then help us take notes. Um, if that means, uh, I don't know, power down the phones or whatever, power it down, but whatever, Lord, help us just to be focused on you and your word during this time. It's rare that, it's rare that we get a chance to study your word corporately as a group. And we ask that you also bless downstairs uh, with the kids, Lord, and... Help us to better understand you, Jesus. Help us to better understand you. Your life and what you've done and how much you love us. So we just thank you for the time this morning. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen. Alrighty, so the question of the message is questions and answers. Questions and answers. Um, because really, what we're doing here is we're picking up in our Bible study... With, uh, we're coming into a lot of questions. Jesus posed a lot of questions. So, if we back up a little bit, right, we'll back up a little bit, just so we can kind of all get to the same place here. Jesus rides into Jerusalem the last week of his life. He's riding in on his Cadillac Escalade. Nope. Nope. Riding in a nice stallion. Nope. Nope, nope. Riding in on a little old donkey, right? And he comes riding in on that, and people are rejoicing. And that's actually true. They are. They are rejoicing. They're excited about it. And in fact, they uh, start taking their cloaks off, uh, laying them down, and Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. They're waving, climbing up trees and waving branches, and uh, it's a huge thing. So then he comes into town. The religious leaders aren't celebrating though. They kind of like have arms crossed and they're not happy about this. This, Who is this guy, you know? He claims he's the Messiah and we don't think so. And Why isn't he stopping them if he was you know, truly holy? Why would he be accepting their worship? Um, but Jesus knows who he is. That's why he's accepting it. So then he comes in. So then his next stop is he goes to the temple and he clears that bad boy out. 
Because what they did with the temple, they did with church, is they started to make it a money-making scheme. And Jesus was not happy about that. In fact, his words were, you know what? My house is to be a house of prayer. That's what's supposed to happen here. It's supposed to be a house of prayer, a house of rejoicing, a house of thanksgiving. So then, the religious leaders then come in and are like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What gives you the authority to do this stuff? How come you can come in here, act like you own the joint, really he does, but act like you own the joint and clear this place out? So then Jesus goes through this explanation of why he can do these things. And while he does it, he tells these parables. Say parables. Parables. Yeah. So he tells these parables about why he has authority. And about how this is really part of God's plan. And what he does in the first parable is he talks about, um, he talks about a good and a bad son. Where the good son is like, oh yeah dad, I'll do that right away. And uh, the bad son is like, no, 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 I'm not going to do that thing for you right away. But then, the guy who said no, the bad son, comes back around. He's like, no, I see that I should do it and I will. And the guy that said yes, that he would, he never ends up doing it. And so Jesus is like, hey, listen, you know, you are having your chance right now. This is like kind of your last chance you're getting. And that's kind of the way it is for many of us, like, there's only a certain amount of chance, only a certain amount of times we can actually say no to Jesus, to God, before it's like, pretty much it's a done deal. It's a done deal. And as we get older, as you know, we get kind of more set in our ways. And so if we build up that lifestyle of just rejecting, saying no, questioning, you know, doubting, and not really digging into it, it could be it. And so Jesus telling them and said, hey, listen, you guys are like that son, you know, that basically said, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, I'm in, but then doesn't do it. And he says something radical. He hits them right between the eyes. Like, go ahead, go like this. It's fun. Go like this. Right between the eyes, he gets them. Yeah, don't do it to your neighbor, but just like, you know, in the air. Right between the eyes, he gets them. And he's, <laughs> he gives an elbow. Right between the eyes, he gets them and he says, you know what? The tax collectors and the prostitutes and the really bad people, they're getting into heaven before you. Because why? Because they were like that son. I was like, no, 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 I don't want to hear it. But then they heard what was right and they said, oh, this is right. We should respond. We should change. And they repented. And the nation of Israel, like, they weren't doing that. They weren't repenting. They weren't changing. So then Jesus tells them another parable. Again, like... uh, it's with the vineyard. The other one's with the vineyard. He tells another one with the vineyard. And there's a landowner. And in this parable, he basically tells them that, hey, listen, I've sent you my prophets. I've sent you people of me. They've talked about me. They've done miracles in my name. And you know I know what you've done with them? You've killed them. You've thrown them in jail. You've beaten them. You've persecuted them. Again, this is your last shot. Because in the parable, it says that they sent that whoever owned this vineyard, he sent his servants there to go collect the harvest, the money, and the people that were working it, they're like, oh, we ain't giving this up. And so they killed every servant that showed up. Similar to how it worked with God and his prophets and people that brought the word. They would just beat them, kill them, whatever. And then in the parable, it says that they sent 
the landowner sent his son. Finally, he said, well, listen, if I send my son, they won't do him harm. They'll actually send back, you know, what's, what's due me. And then the people that were running the land of vineyard, they said, hey, if we take his son, we get everything. And so he compared that to the religious leaders of the day. Listen, you're getting chance after chance after chance with people bringing you the good news and you continue to reject. In fact, you're rejecting the Son right now and the word that you read in church every day, Psalm 118, it says that the cornerstone is going to be rejected. And Messiah is going to be rejected. So he says, like, you're fulfilling the prophecy happening right before your eyes right now. Like, you're doing it. And then they're not happy to hear these parables because they're getting indicted, like, as Jesus is explaining them. And so then what happens, they just start hitting him with a whole bunch of questions. And so they start off the questioning with money. Of course, it always comes down to money. He starts off the questioning with money. And they tried to catch him in a pickle. And they said, hey, uh, Jesus, so like, you know, we have this money. We have Caesar that rules over us. Um, are we supposed to pay taxes or are we not? Because if he says that they're supposed to pay taxes, his fellow brethren are not going to like that because they hate that Caesar's ruling over them. They don't have their own place. But then he says, don't pay taxes. It's going to seem like he's a rebel. And then they're like, oh, got him. So Jesus is like, you know what? Just give to Caesar what Caesar's. Give, one, give the government whatever it is. Whatever it is by the law. It might not be right. It might not be fair. It might not be completely just. If it's the laws of the land, you give it. You give it up. And you just give God what's God's. And we talked about like the message for us of give God what's God's. Well, geez, He doesn't want just my wallet with my money. He wants all of me. My whole heart. Everything that I've got. Which flows into another conversation where they ask him, like, what's the greatest commandment? And then he's like, well, just love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we talked about that. So they're getting this conversation, all these questions and answers and debating, going back and forth and talking about these things. And so now we come to the end of it. And Jesus has one question for them. He's got a question for them. So let's take a look. Verse 41. It says, while the Pharisees, say Pharisees, Pharisees, were gathered together, Jesus asked them, verse 42, what do you think about the Christ or Messiah? What do you think about him? Or in some versions, well, we'll see in the next sentence here, whose son is he? And they said, oh, we know this, we know this, the son of David, that's who he is. Right, so you can see now how this is playing into our Advent season, our focus on Jesus. Right, he's asking about Messiah, about Jesus. So whose son is he? The son of David, they said. So he said to them, How is it then that David, speaking by the Spirit, so Jesus here acknowledging that when people wrote the Old Testament, that it was under divine inspiration from the Holy Spirit. They didn't just write down words because it's just what they felt. It was God, through His Holy Spirit, coming on them and showing them what to write. Pretty interesting. So how does then David, by speaking by the Spirit, cause him Lord 
Right? So they just said, right, tell me about the Messiah, about the Christ. Uh, and then he said, whose son is he? And they said, David's. So then Jesus is like, well, then how come he's calling his son Lord? So why would I call Jaron? Why would I call Judson? Why would I call them Lord? Right? So why would I call my boys Lord? It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So then Jesus quotes it and he says, you know what? Verse 44. The Lord said to my Lord, strange wording, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. So then now, Jesus hits him with another zinger. If then David calls him Lord, how can he be his son? No one could say a word in reply, and from that day on, no one dared ask him any more questions. That was it. He just hit him with one, or like, you know, I don't want to ask this guy any more stuff. Like, he gave me the money, like, answers. He talked about resurrection. He answered that. And then, like, he gave us the answer about the greatest commandment. And then he hits us with something we can't even come back with. Like, we don't even want to deal with this guy anymore. And in fact, they don't. Because they just kill him after that. That's like the way some people handle things. You just can't get with it. You just force your will and just run right over them with what you want. It's not the Bible way. So it's a good question, though, nonetheless, that he asked. Like, why is he saying, Lord, Lord, type deal? And I like this passage. I didn't want to skip over this passage because it does have to do with Christmas and Advent season, right? It's all centered around Jesus. And we want to talk about Jesus, right? This is the season for that, contrary to popular belief. He actually should be the focus. He is the reason for the season, right? So, the initial phrasing, a couple things I want to pull out of here. The initial phrasing here in the very beginning. He says, what do you think about the Christ? It sounds like very theological. Or the Messiah. What do you think about the Messiah? You know, very theological. Now Jesus, he asked this question before. And he wasn't quite so, uh, um, I don't know, academic about it. He asked it in Matthew 16. So I think we're having the slide up here. Matthew 16, 15. It says when Jesus, right, this is earlier on in our same book that we're in, when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples saying, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And so they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Right? He got very personal with the person he was talking with here. The person he was talking with here was Peter. It was one of his own. It was one of his guys in his circle. Guys that he knew, guys that he lived with, served with. He's running around with them. Like, this is part of like, his group, his boys, his guys. He knows that they love him. They have this best interest at heart. See, here in this situation, he knows that the Pharisees, the Sadducees... Now, there's a lot of them. And not all of them we would quote-unquote label them as bad. Some could be searching, trying to figure it out. But for the most part, they're anti-Jesus. And he knows that. So the way he phrases the question is kind of more academic and theological. And what do you think about the Messiah? You know? He's not sitting down with them being like, listen, who do you say that am? What do you really think about me? Right? It's a different tone going on. So... Then he answers, right? He says, what is, so whose son is he? And then they replied, the son of David. Right? They knew that. It's the right answer. It's 
like that kid in class. You know, I always see those kids in class. They always want the right answer and their hands shoot up, you know, and right away they get the right answer. And you could imagine that Jesus threw him a softball question here. You know, the Messiah. Whose question, you know, whose son is that? It's a softball for these guys. They're used to this stuff. They study it. Oh, it's David, David, David. We know that. And the reason that they know that, right, is it says in 2 Samuel, which we have up here, 2 Samuel, it was a promise to David that Jesus Christ would come from his line. It says, when your days are fulfilled, Samuel's talking to David, and you rest with your fathers, I will set up your seed after you, who will come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. So Samuel's telling David, hey, listen, further down your line, from you know, your seed, from you, is going to be this king where his throne is forever. Nobody can ever do anything to it. Nothing will ever touch it. It will be established forever. So they knew that. And there's other passages that say that too. And so like current Jews, right, they're still looking for the Messiah. They would not believe, right, that Jesus, that we read about, is actually the Messiah. And I don't know if you know any Jewish people, you should really engage in conversation and in dialogue with them and really, you know, ask them questions. I mean, really, like, dig deep. Not in an um, attacking kind of way, but in, like, an honest curiosity. Like, here's what we said at church, you know, like, what do you guys say? And how does that come together? And... It's worth the conversation. So then, right, Jesus gets very specific after he answers, they answer the, the question of whose son he is. Verse 44, he says, The Lord said to my Lord. Interesting wording. If we, we have it on the slide up here, as far as the word Lord, how it's broken down, right? So it says, The Lord said to my Lord. David writes this. And he says, The Lord said to my Lord. So the Lord Jehovah. Everybody say Jehovah. Jehovah. And then, the Lord, Adonai, say Adonai. Adonai. See, that has to do with that first song we did today, right? Praise Adonai, right? You just don't randomly choose these things, right? They kind of tie together here, if you pay attention. They tie together. So Jehovah, God of all, says to Adonai, which is pretty similar to God of all, which is like father of creation type thing. It's interesting that like he says Lord to like Lord, you know, God of all to like father of all. Very interesting. Sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. And then that's when Jesus further expands. How can you know, they, David call him Lord and then be his son? See, these guys here, they did not know how to answer that. And it's a pretty good question. So how could right, David write that down? How does that work? How could that possibly work where... See, as far as their background goes, maybe this will help. As far as the background goes from the Pharisees, here's what they knew about the Messiah coming. Here's like the traditional Christmas verse. Like here's what they knew. Here's the battle that they had. Is um, Isaiah 9, right? If we go up there and we take a look at that. Look at Isaiah 9 here. So here's like the Christmas verse, right? It might be in your house. might be on stuff that you have. Right? For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. Say, reigning king. Reigning king. That's going to be, we're going to need that later. 
And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. Say, Reigning King. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. That's what they know about Messiah. Reigning king, right? The struggle that they had was that there's also other stuff in the Bible or in the Old Testament that also describes this reigning king. So in Isaiah 55, you have this too. If we go to the next one there. Says that he was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth, he was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before it shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. So you have like a reigning king, but then you also have a suffering servant. Say suffering servant. Suffering servant. So like it's confusing for the Pharisees. They don't really quite get this. So, like, how does this Messiah, you know, thing really work? Like, which one is he going to be? Because this thing is confusing. Because you have Jesus, who's coming on the scene with them in flesh and blood, but yet um, he doesn't seem to be reigning supreme with an eternal government that's like established there now forever. In fact, he's doing the suffering servant part. But they really wanted the government that would not end forever. And if you've got some extra time this week to read uh, the rest of Isaiah 53, it's really interesting stuff. So they're confused about this. So the question is, like, what's the deal? The deal is this. The reason why David could say, the Lord said to my Lord, is because Jesus is both fully God and fully man. Right? Fully God, fully man. We believe that and we take that in faith. That it was actually God incarnate when he's born in that stable. Right? Fully God, fully man. And that was like a very much a difficulty for the Pharisees because they were really blinded by tradition and teaching and what they knew to be familiar. Maybe you might know some people like that. Maybe, might, maybe you even might struggle a little bit with that. Oh, that can't be holy or that can't be Christian because I, I wasn't around that or I've never seen that before. Like, really? I, I don't know. Match it up against the Word. Like, see what it says and, and see how God is approached and how He is worshipped. Maybe those kind of things are okay, but maybe they're not okay. Right? Match them up with the Word. See, they were blinded by just knowing their own traditions, their own teachings, and their own way. That's like it's why it's really eye-opening and really um, nice and, uh, I don't know, helpful to be around other people that like celebrate worshiping our God and our Savior like in different cultures. It's pretty neat to see it. It's really awesome to see it, actually, to be around them and see like uh, how they do their services and what they wear, you know, to their church and how they describe their love, you know, for their king. And um, some people might be like, oh, well, you know, I, we didn't do that in my church and it didn't go that way. And, well, that could be okay. Like, that's alright. You know, there's not like a corner market in some church somewhere that that's just the way you praise and worship God. And then with that being said, you also have to be on the lookout for people that just think they can do anything anywhere at any time and think that's cool too. 
it always comes back to the Word. So we've got to like match it up and see, does it match up with the Word? Is it okay with what God has prescribed as holy, like acceptable worship? But of course, that means we have to do our homework then. And sometimes we're not a big fan of our homework. But it helps us so much. So the reason why he says, the Lord said to my Lord, is because God is both fully man and fully human. So I just want to close with this. Two questions and one encouraging thought. Okay? Two questions, one encouraging thought. First question is this. How have I examined Jesus? I'm curious, right? This is Christmas. You know, I always say, ever since I think two years ago, right? On Facebook, there's that picture that goes around. It's on Twitter too. Facebook and Twitter, uh, there's that picture. I don't know if you've seen it. And it's like, they call them e-cards. And there's a graphic on there. And I, I believe it says, I'll try and get it right, only in America... After a day of giving thanks, can we then go out and trample over people for sales the next day? Something to that effect. I mean, on the news, I think I saw so far two people got shot. I saw th- one person? Yeah, so stabbed, shot. Then I saw three people, three people fighting in a store. In it, fighting in a store. You see people climbing over each other. We drove past Walmart on uh, Thanksgiving night at like 8 o'clock at night. They're lined up outside in Derby. They're lined up outside just waiting outside for the doors to open. Like, I mean, I'm all for a good deal. It's good. Julia was like the coupon queen for a while. She had a coupon blog, you know, she'd be cutting the coupons out and doing all that stuff. It was kind of cool. It was kind of cool to go to the store, have like three bags of groceries, and pay $7. That was pretty awesome. But it gets like messed up and weird, right, and not good for us if we have this whole season and we don't really like examine and think about like Jesus Christ the baby, God incarnate. Like, where are we at with that personally? I don't know where you are with it. Like, where are you at with that? Um, I think it's worth everything in the world to consider that because he made radical claims. As soon as somebody comes along and he says, like, if I came along and I said, you know what? Jared is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one gets to the Father except through Jared. Yeah, that's a big ant. Right? Super blasphemous. Way off. Ridiculous nonsense. But Jesus was real serious about that. And Jesus says, you know what? I am the resurrection and the life. What? These are heavy duty sayings here. Jesus says, you must be born again just to get into heaven. So it's like, we have to examine we have to examine like Jesus and ourselves. You got to, because because if he is true, if it is right, we got something to answer for. And like if it's not, then you're all good. Like good luck trying to figure life out. It's gonna be tough. It's gonna be really tough. Right? And I say that half tongue in cheek, but I say that also like kinda like with the like a hurting heart, you know, like it's it's really tough to try and figure this thing out apart from Christ when God actually made us in His image with a desire to just only be with Him and then we try and find other places and peace and other stuff. So they did this to Jesus, right? They examined Him through and through. They hit Him with the hard questions. They came after Him. They examined Him. 
And he gave them answer after answer after answer. Then he gave them a question. They had no answer. Fully examined, fully inspected. So now, they're faced with the issue of, okay, is this true or is this not? Will I accept it? Will I not? I think for many people, the examination has to happen. Got to get there. The other side is like, you know, when we're done examining, asking questions. That could take years. Could take one day. Could take a minute. Could take a month. I don't know. Whatever works. Hopefully, it does work. But you do that examining because it's just worth every bit of ounce of energy because of what Jesus said. So that's the first question. How have I examined Jesus? Advent season, how have I examined Him? Like they examined Him, they got answers, but then now they're faced with what what are they going to do? Unfortunately for them, um, they held on to what they knew was familiar, what they knew was traditional, what they knew had been taught, and that's just what they held on to. It's sad, because really they formed their own religion, their own God, based on their experience. Anybody know anything about that? Anybody know some people that maybe they do that? Maybe you're one that does that. I know I do that sometimes, not even intentionally. I just go to another church and be around other Christians sometimes, and be like, oh, that's not... <laughs> I've done that! So the importance to examining Jesus. Advent season, the coming of the Messiah, man, is so important. You just sit down and just examine. And I like the fact that, you know, if I'm Jesus, so three years he's been doing this thing. He's been healing people, touching people, blessing people, just doing, just feeding 5,000 with bread and fish. Not once, but twice. Like, amazing. I'd get tired of these guys and these questions. So you know what? I'm done with you. And just like move on. But like, he answered these questions and he gave them such good answers. He gave them their time. He didn't blow them off. And that's encouraging because I know that I can go before God and I can bring my questions and my concerns and Jesus and God is okay with me examining Jesus. Bring whatever tough questions I got to the table he's okay with. It's not like we're some cult we're saying you can't just question it, you just believe it. It's craziness. Right? That's not the case for our God, for our King, for our Savior. Second question. Well, actually, yeah, second question here. Is it possible for me to be blinded by tradition or position or selfish pride when it comes to Jesus. So is it possible? I think it's just something worthwhile to think about as you do the examining process because it wasn't possible for these religious guys to get past their traditions that they did, that they've always done, their position of they thought a lot about themselves. Like I know a lot of pastors are like, oh, you know, you leave out the pastor thing, it's like serious business. Well, it's pastor. It's reverend. I remember in college, and I remember, you know, uh, it was a psychology class. And I, I, you know, freshman year, I said, you know, Mr. So-and-so, and... Oh, no, I didn't say it. Another classmate, because I, I was about to say it, my hand was up. But somebody beat me to it. So then they said, Mr. So-and-so. And he goes, no, young man, it is doctor. I've worked hard for that for 10 to 15 years. It's doctor. I refer to it as doctor. It's like they just got this, you know arrogance in this like position like with their title 
you know. But th- these guys are hung up on their thing, like I am rabbi teacher, you know. I spent my life and my time, and I am pastor so and so, and I pray for you regularly. Do not question me, and right. But like people get weird like that, and and it even happens outside of that stuff. I mean, you know, some people, you know, I'm a doctor, you know, I got all these letters after my name, and dirt, dirt, dirt. well, like. If you worked your butt off and God helped you get through it, like, praise God, that's awesome. What a testimony, what a witness. But just flaunt that stuff around and use it as authority, that's not good. And these guys, so they were blinded by tradition, blinded by the letters after their name, and really selfish pride. Because what they wanted to do was they wanted to say, you know what? It's almost impossible to come before God. Unless you're like me. Or I pray all the time. I say great prayers. I have the right words. I give lots of money. But that, that's like what they would do to people. And they'd weigh, so they'd weigh you down and make you feel really bad about yourself. And then they would determine like what would be holy and what would be appropriate before God. Just had it so messed up. That's why Jesus really had not a lot of patience for these guys. Because they represented God in the wrong way. So those are the two questions. Here's the one encouraging thought that's hopefully encouraging for you. Um, during this season. The one encouraging thought uh, this season to reflect on is our Savior, does everybody say Savior? Savior. Relates to and understands our battles perfectly. So confidently go to Him with them. It's so nice to know that our Savior relates to and understands our battles perfectly. It's so nice to know that in our belief that the God of the Bible He lived in this flesh. He had to battle it. So many times, Jared is Jared's greatest battle and enemy. Just myself. It's just hard to get out of the way of myself sometimes. In whatever capacity. Whether that be fear, whether it be self-esteem. There's a laundry list. We could go for a while with that. But point being, he was in that and he understands that and he gets that, right? Loneliness, like depression, discouragement, frustration. Like he gets that. He understands that. There is no other religion that would preach and tell you that. That their God was actually flesh, walked among us, and suffered in the same way that we did. So that hopefully helps us to confidently go to God with our battles, with our struggles. So hopefully during this Advent season, like we could do that. We could, could just come to Him confidently. And we might be feeling like down and out. And we might be feeling like, you know what? I knew the thing that I should have been doing and I haven't been doing and so I just avoid Him. That's right from the enemy. That's what Satan would like us to do. And if maybe that is our mindset, we just need to repent, ask God to forgive us of that, and then just come to Him with whatever we got. It's never the place that, like, we don't come to God um, because we're not, like, good enough. Grace is huge. And His love for us is huge. And don't believe the lies of the enemy says, ah, you know you should have been doing that thing or those things or you did that thing again. You're full of nonsense. You're a phony. You're a fake. You're a fraud. God knows it. The angels know it. I know it. 
But if your heart and your spirit are willing and you really desire to follow Him and come after Him, then you just come to Him and just bring whatever you got. And you just be honest about it. God, this is where I'm at. And I know you've been trying to speak to my heart in this way and say these things. I've been fighting you on it for a long time. I've been fighting you about it all day long. Right? It's just a lifestyle of repentance and coming before Him. So we don't have to deal with those thoughts of you're not good enough to come before God. So um, what we're going to do is we're going to close with one song. And the intent of the song is just to sit there and just hopefully it just helps you think about how much He loves you. How much He loves us. Because I don't think there's probably any greater thought to think of than how much He loves us. And so uh, we'll close with how He loves us. And you could sing along if you'd like. Or you could sit down and just pray. Or you could stand. Whatever you want to do. But hopefully take the time to just like examine, reflect, and maybe just bring anything you need to bring to Him right now during this time.